Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Well, I wish that the present international director were speaking here instead of me. He's Chinese. Lawrence Tong. He sends his greetings. And one of my dreams is someday Lawrence, based in Singapore, carrying that huge responsibility now for four years, uh, could someday come and share with you. I would like us just to take a moment to pray for China. I feel it's an honor to hear my brother Bob share. Um, I just wish more people were here to hear what has just been shared with us. And it's just a reminder that all of us who are here in the beginning of the week, let's try through Twitter, through Facebook, through phone, through any method, let people know. Some people do not grasp what this is about. There are not many cities in the world that have this kind of event. Canada is number one. They had this kind of event in most of the cities called Mission Fest. I've been many times. But it's, a number of other cities have tried to have this, and it's failed. Getting churches uh, to you know, come together for an event of this, it's a miracle. And I give thanks for these 80 years and those who worked so hard, prayed so hard behind the scenes. Only eternity will tell the story of the impact of this great convention, and especially uh, bringing, to, uh, bringing to Bangor speakers that otherwise we would never meet and never hear, people like our brother Bob. Uh, just the thrill that he comes from mainland China, the thrill of what he's doing today. But I'd like to take a moment. You can see my globe. China is a very big chunk of it. I'd like to just pray with you for China. Father, we thank you for this challenge. We have so much to thank you for, and yet we cannot help but feel the pain of the suffering of so many, especially during that cultural revolution. And now we hear of persecution coming back, though it never disappeared. And it is quite, it's quite concerning to us. What would we do in a, sitting in a prison somewhere in China um, Lord, we just ask that we will make some steps of faith as a result of this challenge we've had already tonight. We pray for those in prison that many would soon be released. We pray somehow there could get some change of thinking on the top level of the Chinese government. We know there is not total unity with these people at the top. And there are a few that are wanting to allow liberty for Christians. They've obviously been silenced. So we pray. We pray for the overseas Chinese. We pray for the mission vision to send missionaries from China to the more unreached nations of the world. A whole dream, whole books about it. Lord, we worship you and give you thanks and enter into this battle together with our brother Bob for the accomplishment of your purposes in that nation. In Jesus' name, amen. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every person. The Lord Jesus told us to do it. We still haven't done it. 
Bless the Lord for all those that have gone out there and for those that have stood with them. Some of you know that brilliant book, Serving as Senders. And uh, we've realized through that book and many messages that being a sender is just as important as being a goer. Missions is like a Grand Prix race for everyone in the car racing. There's usually 40 or 50 on the team to make it happen and an awful lot of money. We're here this evening as the Olympics comes to a close in Brazil. And we cannot help but think of verses like Hebrews, where we're challenged, all of us are challenged to run the race. And I just pray that as a result of the convention this year, we will all be committed to run the race with greater uh, commitment, greater reality. C.S. Lewis said we have the tendency to think but not to act. This man, this writer that's helped thousands come from unbelief and atheism, had a sharp mind and an insight into people and into the Bible. He went on to say we have a tendency to feel things. And as we've heard about China, seen these pictures, we, we have felt these things. Last night, we equally felt deeply moved by that testimony of people Murdered there in Africa, the way our brother was spared. But then C.S. Lewis went on to say something that I've never forgotten, and I hope you will never forget it because it's so motivating. And it's scary. I like scary things because I'm the kind of person that really needs a good kick up and a good scare to just stay focused and cutting edge. I find that lukewarmness so quickly comes into my mind. I find my attention is diverted toward things that aren't really important and sometimes even completely wrong. And I believe one of the greatest mistakes we continue to make here in Northern Ireland and other countries is thinking the only hope is that somehow we see some great revival break out. That has never been the situation in the world. It gets exaggerated. It gets taken out of context. Of course, I believe in great revivals. God uses great revivals. That is not the main way God works. And revival, firstly, because you can hardly find the word in the New Testament, revival is firstly Jesus Christ daily in control of your life and my life. And as far as I know, from the moment of my conversion to this moment, I've known revival. So I don't pray uh, for revival, but I appropriate it because it's my inheritance in the Lord Jesus. So many people are making excuses for the church often being lukewarm and lacking in prayer and spiritual horsepower and then lapsing back into, oh, well, the only thing we just somehow going to pray for revival. And of course, often people will come and gather to pray for revival. I'm not, a, I'm not against that. I do it myself. But we must stop making excuses for our present day myopia, our present day lukewarmness. We're so lukewarm, we don't know what lukewarmness is. The tendency to think, the tendency to feel. Many of us, if we're honest, including me, we're spiritual gluttons. We've read so many books. We've heard so many messages. A.W. Tozer, a man who was a prophet from God, shook me when he said, if any secular company needed so much raw material to get so little finished product as the church of Jesus Christ, it would go bankrupt in six months. Brothers and sisters, this needs to be an evening of heart searching. 
We cannot get this information about China and the suffering that so many have gone through and continue to go through without some kind of specific action on our part. I wrote these thoughts down. I have two different messages that I'm trying to bring. The first is what God is doing around the world. I want to jump out of China and try to cover other parts of the world. But the second part of the message comes in response to what our brother shared. How do we respond? How do we respond to challenges and information like we've just received? And I just think it's so basic. Number one, to make a recommitment of our lives to Jesus. To search our own hearts. Take take our spiritual temperature. Surely the word is clear. Be hot or be cold. If you're lukewarm, this is from the Bible. This is not George Verwer from New York City. Be hot or be cold. If you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. I'm sure many different expositors have different views of what that means. I don't need to know totally what it means. It just scares me to stay on fire for Jesus. Don't confuse my loudness as someone from New Jersey and New York with spiritual fire. We're all different. Some of the most dynamic people I know are very quiet. My successor who led OM for 10 years better than I was able to lead it, and my associate for 25 years is a laid-back, shy guy from Cumbria. They don't get any more laid-back than Cumbria, unless you go maybe to the Isle of Man. And I just really saw God so working in his life. And so maybe you're the shy, quiet type, and the devil wants to confuse you and think that, uh, well, you you need to be louder, you need to be more noisy if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus. God doesn't destroy our temperaments. He works through us. My wife is a very quiet Woman, She prefers to work behind the scenes seven, eight hours a day on our data entry and correspondence. But she loves Jesus with a passion. And one of the miracles in my life is in my 56 years of marriage, I never remember my wife once not affirming me. Even when I was doing something that later I thought was stupid, she somehow still affirmed me. And I can share some stories, but they're too private, and I better not go down that road. Like the time in a big meeting, I showed off my global underwear. That didn't go over too well with my wife. How do we respond? Greater commitment to the Lord. Secondly, greater commitment to this global task. And I believe, and I write about this in one of my books, Out of the Comfort Zone, I believe all of us who come to this kind of conference We have to become mission mobilizers. Do you know what that is? We try to get other people involved. It's just, it's just so basic. If someone discovers a cure for some fantastic illness, and there's a number of really wild viruses going around the world right now, if someone finds a cure, they're not going to keep these things secret. That would be tragedy. We have found the answer in Jesus. We know the answer to the needs of humankind across the world. Therefore, we should be involved in mobilizing. I found it hard to get Christians to give away one free book. You know, how can that be? 
I go to meetings and I have hundreds of books piled up so that people can take them completely free so that they'll give them to someone else. And I just am stunned. And sometimes I look at people's faces in front of the book table and they sort of stare. I wonder what these books are here for. I just finished talking about it in the pulpit 20 minutes before, but already their minds are off on something else. When did you last give away a book that could perhaps challenge someone to pray for missions or go into missions? When did you last give one of these fantastic Christian DVDs we have? Hudson Taylor's life story. So many fantastic films. And unless we give them away, unless we distribute them, many, especially young people, will grow up and they will not have a clue who Hudson Taylor was. They will not know who William... Carrie was. They will not know who Amy Carmichael was. This is a generation of ignoramuses when it comes to global missions. Hallelujah for every exception. Therefore, we must take that mandate who have this kind of message and read these kind of books we have to share it with others, to take more time to share with others through Facebook, through Twitter, through having a cup of coffee, through just listening I maybe don't sound like that kind of person, but a lot of my life, all I do is listen. Because until I listen to a person's story, it's hard to know what the next step is. So I believe we can respond with specific action. Greater commitment to the Lord, his word. Greater mobilization to touch the lives of others. Even to make a commitment to bring some people to the convention who at this point, present time are not planning to be here. We represent at this whole week a very tiny percentage of the Christians here in Northern Ireland. Do you know the percentage of Christians in your own nation? It's huge. It's one of the biggest in the world. And beware of this Irish inferiority complex that the great days are over. No, the great days are ahead. Forgive me for shouting again. It's hard when I just think of the challenge and I feel it in the depth of my being. Another way, of course, we can respond is more specific time for prayer. And to make prayer a priority, I very highly esteem everyone here in a normal job. To me, they are my heroes. If it it wasn't for business people that gave me that seat to the Billy Graham meeting, that later bought that first vehicle, 75-pound sterling Dodge truck to drive to Mexico. By the way, it blew up within 200 miles down the road. And I called those businessmen and they said, put a rebuilt engine in it. And so people that have these businesses and jobs and professions, they are as much a part of God's great global plan. And I know when you have that kind of job, to find time for prayer, to get to prayer meetings, especially once you have a family. I'm very aware of the pressure. Many of you sitting here are probably already have, and I feel bad if somehow I'm adding to that. So I ask you just to seek the Lord and contextualize anything George Verwer is saying into your own situation. Sometimes the step we take when we respond to something is small. But any small step is better than nothing. As C.S. Lewis went on to say, if we keep thinking and we keep feeling without acting, someday we will be unable to act. 
I believe the average 60-year-old in the average church is now unable to make any change whatsoever in their life. And I believe in the end, they're going to suffer for it, much less the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. Be not hearers of the word, but be doers. And it goes on to say, otherwise you deceive yourselves. One of the main reasons people come on Operation Mobilization is because a friend recommends it. It's not because they heard George Verwer speak. We hope there may be a few of those. It's because a friend, a peer, someone their own age recommended it and answered their questions and spent time with them. Maybe they, in some cases, gave them one of my books or a video or something else. There's usually many factors that cause people to make that final step toward global missions. How do we respond? Of course, cast upon God to somehow draw closer to him on a daily basis. I leave that with you and shift gears to just a little bit about what God is doing around the world. And I want you to bear with me, please, because it's complicated. We first of all have nations like China. There's quite a few dozens of them, not quite as big as China in terms of church growth. But we have these nations, South Korea, Brazil, Kenya, many African countries, where the church is just exploding. There are so many people, we don't even have Bibles. Do you know that in Africa, millions of believers do not have a Bible in their own language? It's available usually for six, seven, or eight pounds sterling. English, you can get for two or three pounds. African languages, and I know because I'm buying them all over Africa to help supplying. It's just one of many special projects that I'm involved in. And it's just too much money for so many people who are poor. There are pastors that preach in Africa out of pages torn from a New Testament. So we could talk, but we don't have the time, about those kinds of countries. But I want to shift gears and ask you to remember that there are about 40 nations that have less than 1% of the witness where I live. I live in London. London is 10 million. We have a million Muslims. It's a mission field. Many churches in London will not even begin to think outside London because they feel London is so huge and so big, and I sympathize with them. So what are we going to do about 40 nations that have less than 1%? By the way, one of the most needy nations in the world, you can go there by train. I've just been to Paris again, two hours and 20 minutes. And yet France would have less than 5% of the witness of Great Britain. And I thank the Lord for missionaries that have gone from Northern Ireland to France, but we surely could use a few hundred more. And many actually learn some French in the university. Any of you that know French, raise your hand. Any of you know French? Maybe it used to be many more. And yet, I don't find many people even praying for France. What are we going to say of Belgium? More unreached than France. Austria is even more unreached than both those together. We can pop down to Greece, Italy, Spain, and Portugal, and we're in a completely different planet than Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland is one of the most evangelized, blessed, churchized places in all the world. 
And therefore, to whom much is given, much is expected. We can do more. And this great convention is part of God's plan to do more. But unless we have a baptism of Holy Ghost action, so it's moved from the head to the feet, then I don't think we will see this happen. I ask you to respond in the name of Jesus. For the 40 nations, places like Libya, Tunisia, Morocco, places like like Somalia, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, places like Tibet, of course, Saudi Arabia, Yemen, many of them are difficult. And so sometimes our first step has to be just prayer. What a thrill to meet, I think this morning or yesterday, a woman who has been in Libya for a time of service. And as I said last night, one of the most exciting persons I've met on this trip is a woman who's working among the Muslims of Belfast. When we meet such people, though we may feel very frightened to try to do that ourselves, we shouldn't be, but we may be, the least we can do is encourage that person and maybe support them financially. Sometimes for missionaries wanting to serve, it's taking two to three years to raise the support before they can go. And many become discouraged in the process. We have one of the greatest teachers of how to raise your support in the whole world. He lives right here in Northern Ireland, Miles Wilson. I had lunch with him. Wow, if we would listen to this guy, I think we would see a lot more support coming in to send those missionaries out. In closing, I wanted to try to quickly summarize six or seven of the major megatrends in missions. Often when I'm speaking at a conference, they ask me to do a seminar apart from the plenary. So my standard seminar has been seven megatrends in missions. I must have given them talk a hundred times. I'm not doing that tonight, but I thought it's just a way to summarize the phenomenal work of the Holy Spirit across the world. Yes, there's 40 nations that have been more or less up to now left out. But what God's been doing in the other 150 nations is an encouragement that we can. We can make this final marathon race toward those, more, those 40 more difficult nations. No one dreamed 50 years ago the kind of thing that you just shared with us about China. So we may not be able to dream about Libya, about Tunisia, about Yemen. But by faith, especially encouraged by the China story, we can start praying and trusting and raising up workers for these places. What are these negatrends? First one I've just touched on, an increased interest in the more unreached people. It's not always presented in terms of nations. If you listen to other missiologists and missionary speakers, they often talk about people's groups. Since I'm speaking to very general audiences, and since our newspapers are constantly talking about nations, I tend to use that terminology, but I fanatically believe the goal is every people's group, to have a church planted among all peoples. And they are linguistic groups. And places even like China have many people's groups like the Uyghurs located within China. What can we say of the Baluch? What can we say of so many people's groups? And there's more research, more interest, more action than ever before. That's an item of celebration. And this convention has been part of it from day one. Another one of the great 
global megatrends is the phenomenal explosion of short-term missions. Of course, criticized, less criticized now, but because it's exploded and it has become a little bit more complicated with churches doing their own thing rather than working through a mission agency who give people training and orientation before they'll even release them into short-term missions. Each church is sending out their own. Some of them, it's only for 10 days. It's often quite expensive. Some of them don't even do evangelism. They just do physical things. I'm not saying against this, but I am saying that it's all become a lot more complicated. Therefore, what? The negative news goes faster than the positive news. And so we have a renewed attack against short-term missions, especially by certain theologians. I believe it's a mistake because the positives far outweigh the negatives. There were a million young people in short-term mission this summer. There'll be tens of thousands who are following Jesus because young people, instead of sitting at home or just making money or laying on the beach, they went out to evangelize in Mozambique or Mongolia or Turkey or some other nation. And I just thank the Lord that this is a major explosion. If you go to France for two weeks and you win just one Frenchman to Jesus, you've left behind a permanent missionary. I think of this guy named Doug who was on a ferry coming across to England, running away from his military parents in Italy. And he, by accident, ran into an OM short-term team. They led him to Jesus. He spent the night in our OM base. I remember having to give permission for it in the 60s. I lost track of Doug. Later, I found out he was a youth leader bringing many, many to Jesus. And because his parents were military from Naples, he had learned Italian with a Naples accent. And as a young man went back to Naples, the next time I met Doug Venezuela, the result of a short-term team, he had one of the most dynamic churches in the whole of Italy, a very tough nation for the gospel. Short-term missions can bring long-term results. So let's keep releasing those short-termers. Let's try to give them training and orientation. Let's make sure there's screening so we, can, we send stupid people, not, but not completely stupid people, to do the work of the Lord. The third great megatrend in global missions is the phenomenal explosion of a greater variety of music. Now, God uses all kinds of music. But some of this new music like, came out of like Hillsong and many other artists is just an explosion. It's usually tied together with worshiping God. That's a good thing. And it's so sad that often older people, even some good Christian people, have been so anti-contemporary music. And then they say to me, well, it's too loud. You know, you don't need to study rocket science to carry your own earplugs. I carry them everywhere. I noticed in a church in Switzerland, they have a bucket of earplugs at the door in churches where the music tends to be too loud. God has just caused the church to grow in a phenomenal way, especially among young people, because of the willingness to make some changes and to have music that's more in line with their particular wavelength. I don't pretend to understand it. I'm probably too old. But I've seen God using it powerfully for 50 years all over the world. 
And if you embrace messiology, you can understand it even more because we know it gets messy. And we know you can pretty well prove anything you want from horror stories. Stop telling horror stories about things you don't like because it's not a way to prove. It's part of the equation. You can look at it. I've got my horror stories probably more than you. But God is often doing way more than we realize, even in difficult, tough situations. Another one of the great megatrends across the world, we call it business in missions. Often in the past, we thought of business people just giving their money. And of course, that is a great ministry. But now, present-day business people, they want to get involved. They're setting up businesses in tough countries. They're giving employment to people who are unemployed. I just spoke at another conference of YWAM who are on the cutting edge of this. OM also has its own big section, Business for Transformation, and it's exploding across the world. Andrew Scott, right here from Ireland, has written a new book called Scattered, just on this particular subject. I hope you can get a copy because it's radical, it's new, and it's greatly needed. Another one of the great mega trends is the whole explosion of technology. Oh, my. When you research this, as I've been doing, you just won't believe it. The use of the Internet in evangelism. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands across the world have professed Jesus through Internet evangelism. Little quiet people in their home with their laptop or their telephone are sharing Jesus with someone in Yemen, Saudi Arabia, Mauritania, Chad, and they're coming to Jesus. Several organizations have been born just to handle this. Meanwhile, we can get the Jesus film in 250 languages on our telephone. On our ship now, we have our own little mini servers. When you're standing in line for an hour to get on our ship to look at the books, we can be broadcasting to you through your telephone and sharing whatever we want to share through our little mini server that you can hold in your hand. Of course, technology goes back to radio, which has been such a huge global influence. And then television, with its, with its positives and negatives. But a mighty force for the kingdom with hundreds of thousands coming to Jesus through television ministry across the world. This is an exciting period of history. God is on the move. Don't focus on the problems. Don't focus on the suffering. Read about them. Pray, be concerned, but don't allow it to cause you to become discouraged, negative, pessimistic, critical, cynical, all those things the devil has waiting, especially as we get older. And young person, please consider the enormous need for workers out in the harvest fields. No matter how many conventions we have like this, no matter how many missionary recruiters we bring in like myself, less than 1% will ever go from Northern Ireland into global missions. Are we asking? So many pastors are so nervous about characters like me, they won't let us in the door. Well, what if I lose a Sunday school teacher? Then the word got out that in one church, the pastor quit and joined Operation Mobilization. That didn't help me get new open doors in certain places. And I just believe with all my heart, we need to continue to pray for Irish people to launch into long-term and short-term global missions. 
Not the same places. Not in the same way. Often we go working under a national. As my own leader that I submit to is a Chinese brother. And in Africa, our leader is an African. And in Latin America, of course, our main leader is a Latin American. But we have found an army of men and women willing to be servants, willing to work under national leadership. Yes, things have changed. Colonialism is history. All this kind of patronage kind of thing, it has to go. Though God did great things in the middle of it, didn't he? So I'm not judging people in the past. I want to face reality in my own life. So I know this challenge is huge. On the one hand, the greatest period of history with these mega trends bringing millions to the Lord Jesus, a number of things I've not touched on, and at the same time, places that are so unreached. And the last city I mentioned, I already touched on it, is Paris. It's just not got even 5% of what we have in London. And London is still a needy place. We have 1,000, 1,500 churches in London, some of them 10, 15, 20,000 strong. By the way, God is doing way more in the British Isles than most people know. But it's not the old-fashioned, traditional way where we build a new building and put a big steeple on so we can all look at the steeple. I don't judge those people in the past. That wasn't a biblical thing. That was a cultural thing. But God has no problem working within our culture because he has a phenomenal sense of humor. Otherwise, how could I ever get into the kingdom? But he's working in new and different ways today. We need to move with it in the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Hallelujah. Amen. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.